Welcome to the Conduit Deeper Podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, Executive Pastor at Conduit Church, joined each and every week by our lead pastor, lead missionary, Darren Tyler. (laughs) Lead something at this point. <laughs> I'm a, a missionary who has been grounded uh, this year. Yeah, it is kind of true. But I don't know. My well, wife, I think my wife is actually ready for me to go. You know, they talk about goers and senders. My wife would be like, I really need to send you at this point. You're kind of messing up our whole vibe over here. When Okay, so your last trip overseas was Jerusalem or Israel, right? Israel. Yeah, and mine was February into Guatemala. That's right. We went together we went to, to Guatemala. Yeah, we went to Guatemala and visited our good our good friends, the Juliers, Rob and Amanda, if you're listening. Hello. Hi, Rob and Amanda. And then we got back from that, and then actually you ended up joining them with some other... Yeah, they met, that's right. They did. They met us in Israel, Israel. Yeah. Uh, which was this amazing trip. Like We were literally everywhere we went, our guide was like, I've never seen this happen before, and there's all this amazing things and anointing. We're on... Like Mount Carmel, Jason breaks out his guitar. Our guide breaks out a harp. Like no oh, fooling around. Breaks like, out a harp. Breaks out a harp. I don't know how that happened. And, yeah, they say these are the days of Elijah on Mount Carmel. I was like, okay, I don't even like that song, but that <laughs> was amazing. But yeah, that was it. And then we yeah. uh, we got back beginning of March. And you were supposed to go to Uganda and a couple other places. Uh, in the summer, North, of course. North Africa. Because do you remember? Like I was trying to decide do I still go you almost went uh-huh and then I think we had some <laughs> we had some some uh, associates or uh, some acquaintances that did go and I remember something about they got over there but weren't able to get back yeah yeah that was uh Suriname yes oh that's right right remember mm-hmm. it was the night that Andy, uh, we were went to Andy Irwin's movie, the Jeremy Camp movie. Yes. Got a good, nice cry out that night. But while I I'm there, believe. we got a text. This is from Jamie Brandenburg saying, hey, my kid is stuck in Suriname. Which a text you don't really get very often in your life. School trip. School trip, yeah. So I sat in the back row there, and I'm trying to watch this movie. Because, I mean, I know Jeremy. Like, we, you know, we toured together. Um, but I emailed... Um, Jay Seculo from the back of the room and it's Friday night. So I'm thinking, you know, whatever Monday, well, my phone rings like immediately, which means I got to sneak out of the movie because it's yeah. Jay. You know what I mean? Jay don't call that much. So if you take, you know, when he calls sure. you, you take the call. And like within seconds, I'm on the phone with Jay, Jamie, uh, CC, uh, Heil, who's one of his attorneys in DC. And they got somebody <laughs> from the state department. And before long, these kids are on a plane. Yeah, so it was, a, it was a school trip that they had t- taken, yeah, yeah. like a winter retreat, and yeah. they, got, they were in lockdown because of COVID. I mean, yeah. That's kind of when it all started, and everybody kind of got stuck where they were. Yeah, and nobody, I mean, honest to goodness, like we kind of act like, I don't know, we're all sitting around acting like this was normal, but man, back in March, March, yeah, everything we're doing now started with somebody saying, well, that'll never happen because mm-hmm. I remember him saying they won't shut the schools down because it's dangerous to shut schools down. That everybody was saying that yeah. Yeah. we're not going to wear masks because Fauci says, well, you don't go around in a pandemic wearing a mask like on 60 minutes, right? 60 freaking minutes. Yeah. He's saying that you don't shut down a society. We're all acting like this is uh, established science. This has never been done in history before. This is, we're part of a giant experiment, really including, are. yeah, we can't go anywhere right now. Um, then every two weeks, two weeks, this whole we're thing, December or two weeks has been death by a thousand, two weeks, man. <laughs> like yeah, a couple more weeks, a couple more weeks. We're going to flatten the curve in two weeks. And after that, it's two weeks. We'll know about this. And then two weeks with the hospitals are going to be overrun. And then in two weeks, we'll know whether this worked or not. And then two weeks for this. And then literally and now it's December, which is yeah. probably why it has felt like it's gone so fast and slow at yeah, the same time. Yeah, I, mean, I was thinking about that the other day, like how literal, literally slow and how fast this year has the gone. The whole thing. Like the paradox of it feels like this is lasting 10 years in one year, but also realizing that it's December all of a sudden. 
Yeah, in some weird way, this is like in the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day. <laughs> in COVID, a week is like a thousand years, <laughs> a thousand years is like a week. And as, we, as we're speaking, actually, Trump is giving a, an address right now. Really? Um, yeah. I don't know this stuff. I'm glad I have Mo around because I miss on this stuff. He's giving an address right now at the White House about the, uh, the vaccination rollout and um, huh. equipment and um, the, the being able to get these out to five different states i think are kind of the leading the leading five states that are going to help roll this out they're talking about all kinds of deliveries and timelines and operation warp speed and all that how that works and tennessee is one of those five states so uh governor bill lee is at the white house right now they they were taking pictures or whatever it was saw it on online um people are stressing about this well yeah yeah well yeah it's, it's the unknown again it's kind of in a sense we're kind of like back to the beginning but it's just another round of not knowing. Yeah. Um, yeah, because as far as I know, I can't think of any time in history where a vaccine that has been rolled out will be administered as quickly as it, this one will be to as many people as this will be. Yeah. Without, yeah. I understand on the one hand that um, I have friends that, have, that work in this industry and they're telling me one of the reasons they were able to get this done so quickly was because they're building on the work that had been done for right. years. Right. I mean, a, a German uh, couple uh, who, who've been working on cancer treatment with RNA rewriting codes and cells, like th- that's what this was based on, which was started decades ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I vividly remember them talking about this in these interviews back in June. And May was that there's two kinds of vi- uh, vaccine, the live virus, you know, the, the old fashioned one where they give you a little squirt of polio and then you don't get the polio. Uh, and then there's this new technology, which is RNA. And everybody was saying the same dadgum thing, which is this is unproven. We've never seen this before. This is brand new. We've never had a successful one yet. I vividly remember sure. Noah Feldman saying that yeah. on a Deep Background. Well, we've never had a successful one before. This was going to be the first. So on the one hand, we're doing something that's been worked on for years and years and years. On the other hand, this is a brand new kind of technology. Yeah, very specific. Like China's using live viruses, as far as I understand. Um, but we're using RNA, which is basically goes in, it, it rewrites your cells to teach them to fight against this thing. Um, yeah. So, you know, and I, I full disclosure, I've been vaccinated for pretty much everything. You can't get into Uganda. Sure. Uh, without it, right. um, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of malaria or typhoid or, right. um, but those were all live virus vaccines. As far as I know, I don't mm-hmm. think those were, any of those had anything other than live virus in it. So this is, this is new. Yeah. Yeah. It's new. And the, well, the efficacy rate is 95%, meaning 95 out of a hundred people is supposed to work or seemingly working in, in terms of the test trials of which they only have maybe three months worth of testing on actual humans at this point. Um, And they're not even sure how long that will last. Like how long will that vaccine hold? Is it for a season? Is it for years? Um, There's just, there's a lot of questions, which I think is why there's a lot of confusion and fear and, and just apprehension about all of it. And, you know, look, all due respect to our federal uh, government and our friends who work in bureaucracy, but it's not like they don't have a track record of trying stupid stuff (laughs) that later they determined wasn't, you know, crazy. We look back now at some of the stuff they were doing in the 60s and 70s on patients and with how could they possibly have done that ethically. And, you know, so I I mean, I have uh, nothing but respect for people that are a little concerned about this. Sure. Um, Yeah. And I think it would be different if if the case mortality rate was extremely higher i mean as of today it's in the u.s it's 1.9 percent case fatality rate or mortality rate right and the difference between that so ifr versus cfr right case fatality uh means people that have actually had symptoms right so that does not include people that have been asymptomatic asymptomatic right um which is a large percentage of people out there yeah. But those who actually got the virus and actually had symptoms. So technically, I would have had that. I mean, I had some yeah. symptoms um, when I had it. So it's one point nine percent. Yes. So we're at a, you know we're at an, you know ninety nine, ninety eight percent you know survival rate, obviously, and we we know 
who this affects the most. I mean, the numbers are overwhelming at this point. Yeah, so, and it does affect them. There are people that we know that we love sure. that are fighting for their lives right now. So we're not diminishing that. I think the I think the challenge comes is when this is like a, a mandated or a just a full, broad stroke application uh-huh. for all of um, our our society. That's where the yeah. trouble starts to come in. And I would. Uh, you know, I've, there's a lot of people talking about a lot of things because it's <laughs> because the internet, right? I, I don't think this is like you don't have to be afraid. Like, is this the mark of the beast? I feel like I have to say that almost every episode anymore. But nobody's going to accidentally take the mark of the beast. Like, you'll be like, oh, I got vaccinated, and now I'm screwed for eternity. Um, that of all the concerns that you have, I would, if I were you, I would prayerfully consider taking that one off the table. That's right. not uh, your problem. Um, is it safe? I don't know. I'm not. It's, I'm not qualified to say whether it is or not. Right. I would say this: um, it's a risk versus reward. Sure. I, uh, well, for what God has called me to do, if the only way I can get on a plane for Asia or Uganda or wherever is to have this vaccine, then I'm going to take it. Right. Um, it's worth the risk for me to do that. I, if I were sitting at home uh, with none of those, I, I don't know what I would do. I, I have no idea. I just know that what I'm going to be doing, if it requires that, then that is worth um, the risk for us. Yeah. And, and candidly, I think that the way that it's rolling out right now, they're going to hit um, first responders, medical staff, high risk. It could be months before we even have to make that decision. Yeah. Um, yeah, it will right. be. It'll be. It'll be several months before. But that's not that long from now. Several okay, that's fair. That's that fair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're talking. You know, you're talking four, eight, twelve, fifteen, fifteen weeks from now, where there's going to be some really tough decisions that people are going to have to make. Employers are going to be making um, as we head into this next phase of whatever a pandemic looks like in the U.S. Yeah, because I. That's interesting you say it that way because this past year has not only been like death by a thousand two weeks, but like at every juncture, there's been a new battle that has unfolded with it. So at first it was, do we close or do we open? And that was the battle. And if you remember that first right. weekend in March when they, when most people were shutting down and we said, we're still going to get together and we're still going to pray yeah. and we're going to go by whatever the government guidelines with that point. And th- but that became the first battle, mm-hmm. you know, and then from that battle, it merged into, um, to masks, right? Is it masks or not masks? And, uh, and, and now it seems to be the battle is over who gets to stay open, who doesn't, which states or this and lockdowns. I mean, L.A. is locked down tighter than a frog's butt right now. <laughs> yes. And and the next battle, though, feels like it'll be that. It'll be very verbal and very vocal. Over. Yeah. And, and it'll be to vaccine or not vaccine and what's mandated and what's voluntary. And it, I always I, I kind of get the feeling that, you know, the the mask debate and all the feelings around that on both sides is kind of like the kiddie pool of conversations that we had to deal with this year. <laughs> like oh gosh, it's yeah. a, we're about to jump into the deep end with, with a bit but more. When you put it that way, Mo, that's kind of discouraging. It actually, is. I know it's it pretty is true though. It is. It is. <laughs> it can be discouraging unless you look at what we've been talking about in uh, revelation 21, which yeah. is this idea of transcendent hope yeah. and having to look past all of these things that are in front of us right now. Yeah, that was what I that what really struck me as we prepared, as we got together for our sermon prep group, and as I was praying about it, even looking into it, was the people that first got this prophecy were like mask versus no mask. Like that wasn't anywhere on their radar. It was do we die versus not die, exactly. right? Are we being beaten versus not being beaten? Yeah. Right. The, the, um, and what I was fascinated by was that something in this, I think this prophecy specifically, not only did they survive, they thrived. And not only did they thrive, the early church did in spite of the circumstances, not uh, because of them. And when you look at that, like that's what I talked about on Sunday, the Stockdale paradox. Yeah, um, that was really good. Yeah, well, I wish I'd have said it, honestly. Um, I, I do remember, I, I felt kind of bad after I figured out who he was, but I vividly remember all the Saturday Night Live sketches about Admiral James Stockdale. When did he, 
well, forgive my uh, ignorance, but when when did he run? I feel like this was <laughs> like might be so he's primo. Vice, vice president candidate. So how old were you, Mo, in 1992? I was 12. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't have known. You were probably Sixth watching grade, Mighty maybe. Morphin Power Rangers. <laughs> I probably was eating well, Pop Tarts before with a school. Lunchbox. Did you have a lunchbox? <laughs> I did. What was your What was your lunchbox? <laughs> it was it was a baseball team, Cincinnati Reds. Oh, that makes sense. Of course. Yeah, you don't strike me as a Star Trek I, lunchbox. No, guy. I wasn't a superhero guy. I never have been. Huh. But sports, I'm, I'm all in there. So well, I, while you were uh, slapping your peanut butter sandwich in your uh, Cincinnati Reds right. <laughs> lunchbox. Uh, the presidential election back then was uh, it was Bill Clinton versus uh, George Bush the first time, and out of nowhere comes this billionaire uh, named Ross Perot. I do remember right? Ross Perot. Okay, well, some folks Ross. don't seem to realize it. Yes, Ross Perot, uh, dude was like five foot nothing and worth a quadrillion dollars. Texas. And, yeah, so he chooses as his vice president uh, running mate, gotcha. uh, James Stockdale. That's right. And as as far as I, you know, because I would have been like twenty at that time. Um, he looked like he was a hundred years old as far as I was concerned. <laughs> but what happened was he's in this, this, this debate and it's Dan Quayle who can't spell potatoes. Right. Oh, do you remember something right? about that? Yeah. Al Gore who, uh, you can't, you know, he had not invented the internet yet, so he wasn't famous. Right. Uh, and then you got uh, Stockdale and in the middle of this debate, uh, they ask him a question. I think I'm sure this is footage is online. Yeah. And he's like, kind of waking up and then he does something with his ear and he had turned his hearing aid off or his hearing aid had gone off. Wow. And then he starts into this, who am I and why am I here? And, and we're all like, who the heck is this guy? Like somebody just woke up. It was kind of like what happens to Biden sometimes when he's on live TV and you're like, somebody needs to elbow him. He's falling asleep. Uh, he charges the batteries, yeah. plugging back in. Yeah. But Stockdale, it, uh, you know, that was before the internet, right? So I didn't know. Al Gore hadn't invented it. I couldn't Google him and I found out later only that this was a guy that had been in the Hanoi Hilton for seven years. And the Hanoi Hilton was? Vietnam. You knew what that was, though, right? I do. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I just want them to know that you at least know that. Like, Moe's very smart just because you didn't know who Admiral Stockdale is, um, even though he was you know, 10 years old. Anyway, um, Hanoi Hilton, yeah, it's a Vietnam prisoner of war camp. Like, That's every right. Rambo movie, you know, was made about that. POWs. And... The thing that he had, uh, the book that he had written and the, the, what had come out later was that they asked him what it was that caused him to survive, number one. I mean, this is straight up like pulling your fingernails out kind of torture. These people were, you were crazy torturing them. And he said that um, someone asked him, what was the difference between those who survived and those who didn't survive? And he said, oh, that was easy. It was the optimists. Those who thought that we'd be out by Christmas, we'd be home by New Year's, we'd be home in time for my anniversary. Ultimately, they all died of a broken heart, which is amazing because it's, it's, it's the antithesis of what you would think that the optimist would survive. Right. So, but what he was identifying was f not hope, but false hope. Mm. Um, and the actual quote that he had in, from his book was, you must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. Mm -hmm. And that's what they call the paradox. You have to have both. Now I would say that ultimately, and I bet if you were to go back and interview many of those who made it home, including McCain, they'll talk about their faith in God, which becomes a transcendent hope, not just a hope, like not a false hope that I'm going to be home. And it's important for us right now because if you think we're done with masks when the vaccine comes out, uh, <laughs> which parenthetically, that's what I thought because we have a vaccine. We get to move on with our lives now. And Dr. Fauci is out there saying, oh, no, no, foolish right. you. Not we're going to so still fast. be wearing masks. Like, we're in the middle of something right now that there is no end date for. There is no score that we can say once we've achieved X, Y, and Z that we're now done with this. Right. At least none that I've been able to discern. Every time I feel like we've gotten one, then they move the, like you get to the end zone. Is this how football works? You get to the end zone, <laughs> yes. right? You're going to run the ball. And then they move the, they move the goal line back. So right. run another 20 yards. Like a, yeah. That's what this has felt like a lot like that, that we get this, uh, this line. Cause we've been told, I mean, yeah, I can remember, look, if we just locked down for five weeks across the country, we'd have this virus under control. And then what? It right. comes back. We literally right. just kicked the can down the road. So we're not doing anything other yeah. than kicking the can down the road. Yeah. And because of that, if, if my hope is now that it's in the vaccine, um, 
I don't know that they'll make up a new one, but something's coming. All I know is that they've said that we're still going to be wearing masks. You're still going to be, uh, even when the vaccine is here, you're still going to be doing this. You like the end of 2021. If those dates are the dates that are my optimism right now, and if I were to be honest with you, that was, I mean, you remember, we, I mean, back in March, I was saying, okay, in six months, we're going to sit down together and we're going to feast and we're going to celebrate how we came through this. And right. here comes October and we're like, still in the thick of it. We're not even like out of the swamp yet. Like yeah. we're still in the middle of this battle with it. The dates that we put on this right now are, are not going to bring us hope, but Revelation 21 brings us hope because if it can bring the people of uh, Rome and the church uh, of ancient Rome, Greek, the, these seven churches that he wrote this to, if it could bring them hope, then it surely, it has the power to give us that kind of hope. Yeah, this transcendent hope that you're talking about, it, it, it kind of reminds me too of the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Hmm. It's like having the knowledge, but yeah. wisdom is like a step further in how to apply it and, and the perspective, having the right perspective with the knowledge that you have. Yeah, isn't that the, I mean, it's, I'm kind of like, hesitating right now only because this whole thing we've been buried in knowledge but now what do we do with all that knowledge yeah which is what wisdom ultimately is and the wisdom for us here from the word where's always wisdom is going to come from is that the one thing the one thing that this promises us in the future uh, revelation 21 verse 25 i might skip around a little bit on this one because we went through it pretty thoroughly last week um but verse 25, on no day will its gates ever be shut, speaking of where we're going to be one day. Like one day, we will not have locked doors. Hmm. Mo and I were having a conversation this morning about the security system. How are we going to secure the church? And we need to do that because people will on occasion want to break in and take our things. Right. Um, we won't have to have locks anymore. ADT will be out of business. Uh, ring doorbell, as cool as those are, will not be needed in, in heaven. That's where we're, we're going to. And when I think of that, like the courageous faith is what comes to mind with that. Like that's, that's where we're going. That's the safety that we're going to. And if I believe that, if I believe that, and then God says, hey, Darren, I need you to go to Uganda. But, and the only way I'm going to get to Uganda is if I take this vaccine. Well, then jab me. I'm going to Uganda. Sure. Because the worst that can happen is I wake up in a place where there are no doors and no security. And the worst that can happen is that I get up and timelessness of eternity, I'm not even gonna miss my family because they'll be there within a snap according sure. to the timeline of heaven mm -hmm. and we'll celebrate for eternity. If that's the worst that right. can happen, that's not so bad right. with it. I, I'm willing to be courageous in my faith and in the same way to be courageous in a way where I'm actually speaking out uh, the truth at a time. I mean, I don't know if you can remember a time like this, Mo, but I can't remember a time where I feel like we have to parse every word because I'm afraid someone is going to send us the email. Someone's going to tweet or someone's going to yell at us. And so yeah. I feel like I'm having to overthink everything. Yeah. It's in it, which is exhausting. And I'm also kind of getting to the point where <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. You're giving darn is busted. <laughs> It's just, yeah, it's just really exhausting. But, but I think it's just as part of the wisdom, though. Like we have to, um, we have to, we have to know the battle that we're in here and and lead. We got we got some troops to lead. We got some work to do. And yeah. so, to 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 cower uh, or to um, to be cowardice, as you alluded to on Sunday. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't think the Lord would shine upon that very kindly. Yeah, and I guess, and we have to be careful, right? Because we have to define what cowardly means. Um, someone playing, like, in the same way that, to me, cowardly isn't that I'm just driving 100 miles down the highway, uh, 100 miles an hour, because I, I, I'm, that's not faith, that's foolishness. When we're talking about wisdom mm -hmm. versus courage, that's foolishness. Um, I enjoy driving 100 miles per hour. I, I have, it's been a while, but I enjoy it. Also very foolish, um, and the older I've gotten, there are things that I wouldn't do because they're f a foolish. The reverse of that is then there are things that could keep us. Because, I mean, one of the funny things about me that is kind of embarrassing is I am genuinely afraid of flying. Like, I just... So fascinating to me. I have always been. Are you not, though? Because in your... Oh, I am. Enneagram I can't stand it. Yeah. I will endure. 
for the sake of the cause. For the sake of the cause, yeah. Like, so I don't like it at all. And by the way, no amount of like me sitting on the plane going, okay, statistically speaking, right. I know, you know, <laughs> just more dangerous or whatever, yada, yada, yada. But I had to do it anyway. Right. And I look back over my life, by the way, and I feel, and I, I know there are things that I missed. I'll tell you one right now, the Faroe Islands with Cutlass. Oh, wow. I could have gone to the Faroe Islands. You opted out. But Yeah, I just... But you know, this is the thing about <laughs> this is the thing about fear is that I opted out like not intentionally. I just like that's I just don't do that. Hmm. I, I just don't do that. And but if I were to be honest, flying was part of it. Like I just yeah. was afraid of it. Um, I, I don't have any control. I don't know what's going on. And of course, now I'm flying freaking everywhere around the planet. And right. I still get real spiritual, like just in case I'm wrong about grace. You know, I'm like <laughs> witnessing to my neighbors and. Um, but that's the kind of courage, though, that I'm talking about, which is to look in the face of something that is irrational, look in the face of something that is stopping us, that is stealing from us what God wants for us and doing it anyway. Right. And they're, 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 that's where the wisdom comes in, because I know that there are people right now who are, um, especially as it relates to this virus specifically, that there's a higher risk category for them. And I respect for them what they feel the Lord is leading them to do. You know, Paul had to spend time in jail. So it wasn't like he failed because he was locked in a room someplace. That was where he was for that. But when he was let out, then he went and did. So it's we just have to really 100% depend on the Holy Spirit and not lean on fear. Because in Revelation 21, we see that in this place that we're going to be someday, chapter 21, verse 26, the honor and the uh, glory of the nations will be brought into it. Speaking of, of Jerusalem, nothing impure will enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Those of us who are in Christ, like we're going there. Like that's where we're going. And if that's the future, a safety, again, what are we, everybody's looking for right now? Safety, safety, safety. He's telling us that in the future, he told the church, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Laodicea, these churches, Smyrna, that were suffering, your future is safe, even though now you feel unsafe, your future is. And because of that, all those admonitions to them, don't let them steal, don't find your first love, don't walk away from it. All those admonitions to those early churches are the same admonitions to us. One of which, um, it, it made me think about this, because when you said that, um, I'm kind of getting to the point where I don't care anymore. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I actually resonated with that. And then I felt super convicted about yeah, it. Yeah, same. Like, you know, the minute I'd be like, ah, oh, that's true. Oh, that just sucks. Cause I just got to dig deep. Because here's the thing. The danger of that is the, um, is what Jesus said in, in Matthew 25, that in the end uh, of days, the uh, because of an increase in lawlessness, which we're seeing all over the place. Yeah, look out the window. Right. The love of many will grow cold. Mm -hmm. And we have to guard against that in our yeah. own hearts. Um, we're not being courageous for the sake of being jerks. We're being courageous because of the sake of love. Right. And so that means, because yeah, it's true. I, I feel that as well. There are times I'm looking at my computer and I just want to say some things and just get it off my chest. Right. Uh, and then there are times when I'm realizing, but that's not love. Uh, and my love can't grow cold uh, in, in the middle of all this. Because if there's one thing that Jesus needs more than anything right now, it's a bunch of Jesus people who love across uh, the spectrum. Um, verse six, he says, uh, he said it to me, it's done. I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty. I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this and all of this, meaning everything he starts to describe this eternity of, uh, of presence and, and heaven and togetherness and that old saying that, you, you know, you can't, uh, you'll be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Right. I don't know. The older I get, I think you can't be heavenly minded enough because right. you end up being too earthly minded that you're no heavenly good. Correct. And yeah. looking at this, um, those who are victorious will inherit all of this. That's us who are in Christ. Mm -hmm. We live in that way to, uh, by victorious, First John 3, 4 says that we're victorious who believe, those who achieve this by faith not by our works. Right. But then verse eight, which is what I wanted to bring out because it says here that the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those 
who practice magic arts, which is pharmakia, by the way. Mm, interesting. Uh-huh. It is, isn't it? <laughs> the idolaters and liars, they'll be consigned to the fiery uh, for a lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. What I'm really struck by here is... Someone might read that and think, okay, but Darren, you just said that this salvation is by grace, it's not by works. But this is saying that if you're, if you're not believing or you're a murderer or you're whatever, that, you're, that it is by works then, apparently. Because I've done some bad things and I'm not going to make it in there. And how does that, how do those, right? Mm, right. And it is because it doesn't say those who do cowardly things. It says those, the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murders. It, if there's anything that we're seeing in our modern context right now is that we make a sin our identity. Oh, wow. Right. That we are saying that this is who I am. In the same way, like, you know, if, again, it's simple when you say, like, a serial killer because that's a serial killer because he's a serial killer. Um, but that's an identity then. The murderer. That has made it. Does the, does the murderer lie and cheat? Absolutely. Yeah. But now it's who he is or she is, mm -hmm. for that matter. Um the unbelieving, the vile, the sexually immoral. I mean, if there's one thing that, that everybody's made it real clear right now that your identity is uh, who you, is what you do is who you are, is the identity. So if it's uh, transgender, homosexual, uh, lesbian, gay, bi, like, but that's who I am and I've now made a, a behavior of what I'm doing or way that I'm living is now who I am. That's what it's saying. That if I've made it that way, Paul talks about it in Romans, struggling with sin versus um, tapping out and no longer. And it's the idea of it's just who I am. Um, don't judge me because it's who I am. But the thing about that, there's, there's one on that list that's called the cowardly. Yeah. And I've really been intrigued by that because what is it? Who makes themselves cowardly? Who makes that their identity? And I think we were talking about this before the podcast that you know, the opposite of love isn't hate. I wish I could remember who said that. I might have been Victor Frankel um, mm. or Eli Weissel. Uh, the opposite of love uh, isn't hate. The opposite of love is apathy. Yeah. And I wonder, is is cowardice just apathy? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it seems like it would be because apathy compels you to do nothing. You just don't care to do anything. And so you do nothing. You do nothing. You're, you, you watch, you... Um, you just exist and um, you just let the chips fall where they may. Um, it's, it's this idea that whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And I'm not, I don't have enough passion or compassion to do anything about it. Yeah. You're just apathetic. You're care, careless, careless, which you, I think the, I think the Lord calls us to be empathetic empathy. I think we're to lead with empathy instead of apathy where our love grows hot. Yeah. Passion to do something. Do something, yeah. And there's one thing that Jesus people are called to be, right, is to be active and action. Yeah. I was thinking about this um, in the context of uh, Seth Godin's book, Tribes. Yeah, it's a good one. So Mo's got a, a brilliant marketing mind. I'm sure you've read this, right? Absolutely. Like, because one of the ideas was that there's all these tribes. I mean, was it the long tail when he was finally saying that mm -hmm. the internet is going to basically break us all into all these silos? Yes. And so whatever, whoever you are, if you got some like freaky side or whatever, like you'll be able to find your people yeah, your, online, yeah, your tribe, Absolutely. And, which is identities. Yes. By marketing um, mm -hmm. this year in the election, is somebody being murdered in our building? No. What is that? No, for those for those that are listening, um, maybe the past couple of weeks, especially today, uh, you may be hearing construction noises in the background, some grinding, some beeping, some hammering, some drilling. We are in the middle of an expansion project, and we moved our podcast room to the opposite side of the building because they're working on something right outside the old podcast room, uh, to which we've discovered in the past five minutes uh, there's noises now emanating into this current room. Right, like Rob the Riveter is up there. <laughs> Rosie the Riveter, she's on the roof right now, like driving rivets into something. I don't know if it's coming through or not, but just wanted to acknowledge and, uh, you know, just appreciate your patience oh, thank uh, you. while we're going through this building project. So identity, that's what politics has been all about. Identity um, politics. Identity politics? 
and voting blocks as far as getting the votes in the politics of it. Like the word soccer mom that we use regularly as, <laughs> as a colloquialism was invented by a political guru, nerd, whatever, in the Clinton election back in 1992. Wow. Or, or was it actually, no, it was the 96 election. Okay, yeah. Um, you're taking me back now. Because they were close. Now he had already been naughty in the in the uh, in the Oval Office. Um, there had already been a cigar and a dress, and it was like, okay, this guy, he's no way he's going to get the women this time. And so they were trying to figure out how to this certain segment to get him over the line. And, and one of the, the you know the political goobs came up with the idea of the soccer mom. She's the one sitting in line. Yeah. Um, she's and so in, instead of a just Republican versus Democrat, now now they're saying inside of this side or that side, there's a specific voting block and identity. Right. And in this last election, they've been diving so much deeper into this. Um, in fact, there's a website with this really sweet, uh, exceedingly uh, cool interactive map on uh, thinglink.com where it literally actually shows like who these oh, wow. voting blocks are. I need to look at that. Oh, it's dude, it's fascinating. So, like, one of them is called the Trader Joe Republican. Interesting. Um, I don't know who gets to come up with the name. Somebody got the vote for Trader Joe Republican. And a Trader Joe Republican is a guy who's a Republican or a woman Republican, but shops at Trader Joe's, listens to NPR, and but still votes Republican. A little crunchy, but a little conservative crunchy. values. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so that, like, that was one of the ones where the, the consultants were like, we got to get the Trader Joe Republican. That is amazing. In Iowa, there were the uh, lunch pail Catholics. Okay, yeah, totally. And the lunch pail Catholics are the ones that are Catholics. They have traditionally voted uh, Democrat, but Trump made a really big run at them with the blue collar thing and the anti-abortion. So, point is, our society is divided into blocks and into divisions, and it is literally how we humans think. The internet did not create that in it; it just created an opportunity for us to be tribal. Not necessarily racial, but tribal, yeah. which is why in heaven, when we see every tribe, nation, and tongue together, not mm. separated, yeah. there is no more Trader Joe Republican. There is no Catholic lunchbox Iowa guy, yeah. right? It's just Jesus. That's the thing that has to unite us around. And that's yeah. what I see in Revelation 21 is this idea that um, that's our hope. Our transcendent hope is that that's where we're going. On this earth, there are things that I prefer. There are things that you prefer. There are things that, uh, but if we go back to the cross, and if I could say anything to our church locally at Conduit, if I could say anything to the church globally and at large, is that we cannot let masks unite or divide us. We can't let vaccines unite or divide us. We go back to the cross and let Jesus be the thing that unites us. Um, I have some extremely strong opinions about politics and about, you know, economy and all those things. But I can't let be, that be what unites or divides us, not at this point. Um, yeah, because all of it has uh, been politicized. All of it. Weaponized. Yeah, by the blocks, by the voting blocks. They're, if we can't recognize this for what it is, which is yeah. a tactic straight from the pit of hell mm -hmm. to divide you, we can call it a publicity and marketing campaign, whatever brilliant Division. techniques for winning an election. That's all bull crap. This is from the pit of hell to divide us. Totally. And when it comes to where we are as a church, it's one of the reasons we have not mandated masks in our church. You are welcome to wear one. We want you to if you feel that that's what you need to, to do. And by the same token, we would not... If you're a masked person, to you to leave that to the person, let the Holy Spirit lead them. Let's not let that be the issue that unites or divides us. Let Jesus be the one that unites us. Right, right. Um, when I think through Revelation 21 and to the future of us, I think that it it's calling us to a courageous faith. Um, we're going to be safe in the future. Uh, everywhere on earth right now, there's going to be danger. We can't let that danger steal from us the joy. And then we have to move into what would it look like to live courageously in this environment. One of the things I talked about on Sunday is that you look at uh, verses 18, 19, 20, and there's this uh, description. I mean, we're looking, I can see from this uh, view right now what we're building with, which basically uh, it looks like we could put horse stalls in it uh, and not really hurt it. It's a steel building, right? Right, simple. And it's... 
Simple because it's the cheapest thing we could possibly find to build with. Inexpensive. In inexpensive. That's okay. That's fair. Cheap. I'm sorry. I'm insulting. <laughs> that's true. I, we wanted to do something where I could bring our African pastor friends in and them not look around and feel out of place in this at all. We physically wanted, responsible. Oh, yes. Fiscally <laughs> responsible. There you go. But here's what it's not made of. The wall, verse 18, made of jasper, the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations were decorated with every kind of precious stone. Right. Yeah, we had crushed rock and metal yeah. out yeah. here because those are inexpensive building. And that's the point. I think that is there literally going to be a building made of onyx? And I don't know. I kind of hope so, if I'm being honest. I just think that if nothing else, what Paul is saying to these guys is, look, everything in Rome right now, everything in uh, in these cities of Laodicea, of Smyrna, you got no gold, you got no money, no nothing, but you're going to a place where that's okay because we build stuff out of it there. That's right. how worthless, it's not necessarily how valuable it is in heaven, is how worthless it is in heaven. Yeah, It's so worthless that we'll just build with it. We'll. We'll build toilets out of it. Because it's going to be so common. It's supply and demand. 100%. And that says to us that we don't have to freak out. Like if we're not, because I'm telling you, there are people right now that in our world, it happens right now globally, and it's going to happen in our environment as well, that because of your faith in Christ, you're going to lose out on financial opportunities. If our society continues to go the way that it's going right now, it's it's already would happen. There are, there are jobs that would not hire you or I because of our uh, specific beliefs. Right now, I'll tell you this much, there are uh, giant corporations who would not uh, match their employees' donations. This is true, this is happening right now. I just got a letter this week. Do you know of another nonprofit because my company will not match a donation to a church? So we're already missing out on some right. stuff just because of our faith belief. Yeah. Um, and God's saying, "Oh, who cares? I'm gonna like I'm gonna give you a topaz and turquoise and jacinth. Like jacinth is apparently so rich, I don't even know what it is. <laughs> Never heard of it, right? I didn't. I didn't get my wife a jacinth ring. You know, <laughs> it's so worthless in heaven that it's so we don't have to worry about it, and we can take whatever God blesses us with financially and use it for the kingdom of God, not to." build Darren and Moe's kingdom, not to, but to build the kingdom of God. And literally like while we're sitting here, I just got a message that I think this is our 55th family, but somewhere between 54 and 56, I'm going to say 55th, cut the average, um, that they just went free, uh, again. Oh, that's great. So $2,000, that's, that's real money. Like that's, these are families from brick kilns, Southeast Asia. Brick kilns, Yes. Yes. They're in slavery, you know, a life, a life's worth of slavery. Like, I mean, they, these people have Free. no, they have, speaking of no hope. I mean, yeah. there is, there's no out. And I can't think of a better use of God's money, our money, than to exchange it for a life. For, like how many, like Mike, how many PS5s are we talking about here? If it's two grand. Oh, come on. Give me a guess. What's PS5 set you back right now? A couple hundred bucks at least, right? I don't know how much those are. Micah comes in here uh, looking like he's uh, the white guy in Run DMC. Like he is dressed head to toe in Adidas. He's way cooler than you and I. He really cool. is, dude. I keep waiting for him to give me a little, you know, keyboard thing. Anyway, um, point is that I would, I mean, you know, those are good things. They're not bad things. But we're, we're, it's funny, it's not even God. People say this, by the way, that it's God's money. He gave it to us, right. we give it away. But I don't know, I, I, this is something I saw on, on Sunday, Mo, that I didn't actually get a chance to even get over. In that parable in Luke chapter 16, the parable of the manager and the, and the this, uh, servant, uh, the rich man who used his money, right. the manager in that picture is not God. The manager right. is Satan. So think about that. When we say this is God's money, I'm not even, it, it, did God allow me to get it? Sure, whatever. But that's not what that's saying in Luke 16. The, this dishonest, shrewd manager was using, uh, a rich man was using his manager's money, and the manager in this metaphor is Satan, which is why he goes and says you can't serve God in money because money is the opposite of God. Babylon money. Yeah. So not only are we using money to eternal good and whatever we're actually taking satan's thing and Love turning it. it on him and Flipping using it in the script game. yeah it's like the ultimate like the financial is the kung fu where they do the opposite <laughs> like you use their thing against him is that the kung fu i believe so do you know about the kung fu 
Yeah, like, a little I don't bit. Know about the kung fu. <laughs> it, that's what it is. We're using his money against right. him to free families. So we just took some of temporal money where moths and rust corrupt. And instead of doing buying something that also doesn't get to go with me, we now set some slaves free that, according to Luke 16, will someday get to greet us when we go into eternity. Lavish wealth in eternity. Lavish wealth. Because this stuff here is just asphalt as far as yeah. the kingdom of God. And for you that have continued to be radically generous with that with us here, um, a guy just texted me right before we came on the air, and he wants to free another family. I can't. I didn't ask him if I could say his name, so I'm not going to say his name. Sure. Um, but uh, the answer is yes. And here's a guy that took some of the, the enemy's money and is now using it for freedom uh, for this family. Um, as, as this passage goes on, I got to get back to this. I'm getting kind of excited about setting a slave families, <laughs> family, awesome. families for you. In verse 22, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Jewish people, that was a big deal. The temple was all they wanted to see. The temple was everything to them. Um, they saw it destroyed. The people that would have received this letter would have most likely been alive and probably been witness to their temple being destroyed again. Um, but here he's saying that uh, the city doesn't need uh, the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it its light. The lamb is its lamp. The nations walk by its light and the kings of earth will bring their splendor into it. Like that's the idea of eternal holiness on the other side of it's finally complete. There is no need for a temple anymore because there's no need for us to be separated from God anymore. Um, Jesus is walking with us. The lamb is here. But this is God, Jehovah, Yahweh on earth. And what is amazing about that is that God told Moses, I can't, you can't see me because if you see me, you'll die. Not because God is mean, but because it's like me sticking my finger in an outlet. I, I can do that, and, but right. it's going to change my hair and my life. He's here now. That, that, that's our future. And what that says to me is that the pursuit of holiness on this side of heaven is not about works. It's not about us trying to earn his love. or, But the pursuit of holy, 1 Peter 1, 16, be holy as I am holy. We don't, have a, we don't hear a lot of talk about that in our, right. in, our, in our modern vernacular, about holiness. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming the church, uh, I know the church I grew up in, we talked a lot about holiness. You um, guys get some sermons about that growing up? It was different. I mean, I... Again, I grew up uh, independent, fundamental Baptist. You just threw fundamental in the name. KJV 1611 only. Oh, gosh. That was actually on the church sign. Um, and so ho holiness had everything <laughs> to sorry. do. It's on the sign? Oh, absolutely. 1611 only? 1611 only. And all so of if my... you're, like a, you're driving by and you see 1611 only, yes. you're like, okay, that, those are my people. Those are my people. Oh, that's what yeah. Seth Godin's been talking about. Absolutely. And so... So the holiness portion had everything to do with following the rules. So you were checking the box of being a, being a good boy, being right. good or a good girl. Was it mostly about don'ts rather than do? Correct. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, 100%. It was you do this, like doing this equals this versus, you know, grace, um, forgiveness, those type of yeah. things. So when you use that word, that's perfect because First Peter 1, 13, um, he says, uh, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace yeah. to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed in his coming, which is what we're talking about in Revelation, right. the grace that's set upon you. Don't conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Um, I have a lot of evil desires. Um, sure. That, that have that don't go away. I got sad news. So I think I said that last week. Not only does it not go away, but not uh, but evil desires don't go away. Mm -hmm. But he says in verse fifteen, then. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, "Be holy, because I am holy." Yeah. And the picture of that is not about God being a buzz kill, but it's like he's. This is how he designed me to be. Like he designed me in a way that I will be most fulfilled when I am connected and intimate with my wife, when I bring 
sin, evil desires into that, then it creates separation mm. in that with her. So is, you know, is God being a buzzkill or is God saying, I mean, Micah's going to be getting married. How, how long before you get married, Micah? Five months. Five months. Oh, dude. Lord help us. Yeah. What is that? Uh, better to marry than to burn with passion. <laughs> we got a towering inferno over here. I'm about to get married. But, but like you, these are not like given to us to be a buzzkill, but far flourishing with it. And that holiness is about that for us. It's not about getting the 1611 right in the new King James version or the old King James version. I'm sorry. New King James. Mm. Blasphemous. Yes. Not about that. It's about living in such a way that you're, mimicking what God had for you that living in the way that I was designed to be right. right there was um I say that and at the same time um in just the past month another um celebrity pastor um stepped outside of those lines of, of holiness in his life I have no judgment against him I pray for him and his family I, I think that um it's heartbreaking um but there was a piece in uh, just this past week in The Spectator, um, in the title, it was, a, it was an op-ed piece, in the title, it was by uh, Ben, ben Sixsmith. That's a pretty, that, that's got to be a fake name, right? Um, the Sad Irony of Celebrity Pastors. But here's, here's how he ends the, this piece that really just, it actually stuck me a little bit in the heart. He said that if someone has faith worth following, I feel that their beliefs should make me feel uncomfortable for not doing so. If they share 90% of my lifestyle and values, then there's nothing especially inspiring about them. Instead of making me want to become more like them, it looks very much as if they want to become yeah. more like me. Wow. That sadly appears to have been true of this pastor and his celebrity acquaintances. That's super convicting to me sure. because it's the idea of what God is saying here, what the Bible tells us what uh, in first Peter, what is, is saying is that when I'm holy as God is holy, that is different than the way the world works right now. And if my marriage is flourishing, right? If my life is flourishing, it's what Peter would go on to say then uh, a couple chapters later, which is to, we foolish, uh, we, we silence the talk of foolish work, uh, foolish man with our good works, not with our well-crafted arguments, not with our, our being a jerk, but like right. living holy, is that and more and more and more and more and more and more in our world? I, I thought. I mean, I, maybe this is how my my parents thought when Twisted Sister came on MTV. You know, in 1988, like, oh, we gotta be. But I'm feeling it right now when I look around and thinking there's a whole lot of desire uh, pulled for us to be conformed to what's happening in the world right now. And I'm I'm having conversations with people. I know you guys are too that stuff is not fulfilling them right now. And there's a whole lot of people that are crying out and looking and they're watching us. Um, I just got a, a text message last night that somebody's friend was um, really struggling with their faith and they wanted to reach out to, to talk to me because they see what we're doing and they thought that that is a, that he's, he used the word inspiring. I almost hesitate to use that because that's not, Basically, what he says, what I see you guys doing at Conduit feels like Jesus, and I want to know more about it. Interesting. And let that be all of us in our lives, that sure. they see us doing something that looks like Jesus, and we want to be more, uh, they want to be more like that. I know we're getting short on time here. Um, well, quick sidebar, total sidebar. I love sidebar. And you know, as it pertains to Revelation, the book of Revelation, there's <laughs> this week, um, yesterday... Did you see the article about the uh, the Galactic Federation that was talked about? I, I don't read a lot of, <laughs> uh, of periodicals that include Galactic Federations. Was, what is this? It, it was put out by the Jerusalem Post, and it was a uh, a retired Israeli general intelligence agency talking about uh, humans interacting with with uh, with aliens. Did you see this? No, it, it was everywhere yesterday. What was I doing? I missed two big things yesterday. I missed big that things. too. And they were talking about um, how this could be this idea that there is a galactic federation uh, in that this idea of, of aliens existing, um, that America knows all about it, that Trump's fully aware, and that he was stopped from sharing his information about it this week because, quote-unquote, humanity isn't ready. 
and there's there's talk that that this could be used as an explanation for when the rapture happens, explaining where all the humans went. Is this? I've just this, pulled up the article. The Jerusalem Post. Yeah, the Galactic Federation has supposedly been in contact with Israel and the U.S. for years, but are keeping themselves a secret to prevent hysteria until humanity is ready. Well, that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, and so there's the, the conversation has been coming up about yeah how this will be how how this will help explain all of the missing people in the world from an alien, alien invasion. Like where'd all the humans go? Oh, well they've been because the galactic. I'm oh, sorry, the galactic federation got them, zapped them. Fascinating, and how this will help usher in an antichrist of some sort, <laughs> a figure, a central uh-huh. figure. Because this supposedly exists, I didn't know if you'd seen that. I know no, dude, that's hilarious. Total sidebar. I know that Rogan comes out yesterday with yet another podcast with a guy talk, talking about the aliens. And <laughs> it, look, it, I would say, you know, oh, this is. I'm glad we put this at the end because you know, maybe most of our audiences do. Maybe they've now. done by now. But, <laughs> but Dadgum, like you, you could see how that would make sense. You know, if there was, especially if you if you begin to think of. Uh, them as demonic, right? right? These are demonic entities. They're not aliens. This is just demonic because the demons are doing something if we believe in them and we don't believe in the, that they're disembodied, you know, spirits floating around, that they, they've got their own bodies like Jesus, you know, that, I mean, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I don't oh. know. Just, just something else to float out there for some, for some of you guys to research. I know many of you have been Googling some of the terms and things that we've been talking about recently and that's just another one to dive into the galactic federation i'm going to give me a bumper sticker <laughs> the galactic federation i know um i know this when you start hearing people uh talk like that okay i remember reading on here this guy's not he's no slouch this isn't no he's very reputable yeah there's not like some tinfoil hat guy Although I don't know, I might need to get, I might need to break out a tinfoil hat at some point. At this point, I, I know this that people are talking like that because they're searching. They're searching, absolutely. And they're searching for something to give some sort of meaning and purpose, some sort of an explanation for what is going on. Yeah, uh, we're a month out from the election, and we still don't have a president named here in the U.S. You you add that layer on top of all things COVID related that's global and everyone is truly genuinely looking for answers right now. Yeah. Cause I, I have, as you all know, friends all over the world and they're watching our election too, because you know, the United States is, is, is a powerful nation and what happens here affects people there. Yeah. Yes. And they are looking uh, for answers. And I can't remember, I don't know there's ever been a time in our, in, in the history of our Republic where a month later, we don't know, there's how long did the winner. how long did the the Bush Gore drag out? I feel like it was six weeks, if I remember right. Okay, so we're still within that window of what it was in whatever year that was, two thousand. Two thousand was year two thousand. Though here's the one dramatic difference, though, and that is that in two thousand it was only one state, and not only one state, it was one county, one ca- and not Broward just one county. county; it was like one city almost, right? Yeah. So we were all watching just that one thing, and here it just I. I People who know me know me to be a guy that uh, is just starving for information. And, and I've literally lost the narrative on it. I can't figure <laughs> right. out, like, so, something happened to the Supreme Court today. I don't know what that is. I, that's not me. Like, I normally am all over that stuff. And I've completely lost. So I'm counting on Mo, my guardian here, to, uh, to keep me up to date on it. Yeah. Well, uh, by the time we get out of here from recording this, we actually might have some more information from the Supreme Court from Judge Alito making a decision on Pennsylvania. So by the time this airs, we might have some more information right. about that anyways. But yeah, it's ever-changing. It's broad across the country. And you're right, the whole world is kind of looking for not only what's happening here in the U.S., but just what is what is happening globally. And what we have to rest in. And I say we have to. It's literally the only option. The only option. Everything else is us just kicking and bucking against uh, chaos. Yeah. And it's exhausting. And humanity's efforts to try to figure it out on their own are proving wildly fallible. They really are. And when you listen to, I mean, I kind of mentioned Rogan. People are like, when do you, how do you ever have time to listen to Rogan? The only way you do that is you put it on 1.5 speed and you jump on the elliptical. Like I (laughs) I make myself 
but I won't do it any other way because there's the guy's like four hour podcast. I yeah, can't long, and I don't have any more long flights for right. it. But even a guy like Rogan right now, and he's talking about aliens. He's talking about you know taxes and governmental. We're all kind of at a point where we're. It's pretty like I would say demonstrably proven that we need a savior. <laughs> like yeah. we need a savior. And so, yes, on the one hand, you can see how the world would 100% fall for somebody who was charismatic and confident and said, I could fix this. Dear Lord, I'd be interested sure. in that, you know? Right. You, how could you not be? Yeah. And yet, there's only one promise from one person, because none of that stuff works because there's still humans involved. That's the, the fatal flaw of all of this, is humanity. Only one can make the promise that he'll wipe every tear from your eyes. Uh, verse 4, there'll be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And when you think, what is the old order? It's what we're in right now. Death, mourning, crying, and pain. Those four things permeate every culture. They permeate every tribe, every government. And Jesus himself is the one that will be able to make that happen. And so our goal right now is to be a new creation in an old order. While the world is trying to create a new world order, yeah, the Lord has an idea for a heavenly order. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's why Prince Charles sounds so compelling. Like, that, who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want every tear wiped right. from our eyes? We all do. And there's only one one path to that, and that's through the work of Christ. Right. Uh, Remove sin. Yeah. It's the one who became sin, the one who knew no sin, that became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the gospel, right? That it was tears in his eyes as he cried out to his father, if there's any other way, you know, and, and with that point the father turned away the father did not wipe the tears from Jesus's eyes he, he let him cry uh, he let him suffer and, and mourn I mean the the writhing and the the pain was as this the literally not just the physical pain but the weight of the sin of the whole world was put on him and death was on him so that he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God in in Christ and that's our hope and if there was ever a time in history for someone to stop and think, is this other way working? I mean, just ask yourself real, real honestly, is it working? Uh, and and if, if the answer is no, which it is demonstrably no, uh, turn to Jesus. Um, let him give you the courageous faith, the, the lavish giving, the, the pursuit of holiness, the amazing grace that's promised to all of us until he returns that we can thrive uh in this with it so that we when we step into this whatever this looks like this city uh the wealth that we have here is nothing compared to what we will get there so if if that's you and you're feeling a little upset a little untidy right now a little uncertain we would love to pray with you and um the best way for you to reach out to us right now is info at conduitchurch.com. We certainly would keep that confidential, but we'd love to introduce you to one of our pastors who would be glad to pray with you and, and to point you towards Christ. And if you're not in the Nashville area, we've, we've been around a while. We could point you to a pastor probably right in your city uh, that, that could walk alongside this with you. Um, Mo, any last words as we you wind know, the corner here? Yeah, the only thing that comes to mind is just to kind of recap and encourage our listeners to move from apathy to empathy this week. Um, it's really easy to be apathetic right now and just kind of bury your head in the sand, not do anything because it's just so overwhelming. Um, so I would just challenge us, me, you know, myself included, like, you know, kind of dig out of that and move towards empathy. Yeah. Yeah. Shake it off. Like it's okay to grieve. It's okay to be, to recognize, right? At some point, you gotta, you gotta do something. Yeah, you gotta you gotta stand up, put the armor of God on. Yeah. So apathy to empathy would be kind of the charge. Yeah. This week. 
yeah, the world is in desperate need of that right now. And everybody who is in Christ is a conduit of that. And it's our privilege. It's our honor to get to be a part of that, whether you're 15 or 91, you know, that that is our, our greatest privilege. Thank you for, uh, uh, giving us another hour of your week. That's pretty meaningful. I mean, Rogan can keep for three hours, but <laughs> anybody that makes it to the end, we ought to be giving away like prizes at the end, everybody who makes it to the end so yeah. we can figure out how many people make it. That would be nice. But um, Mo, how can they stay in touch with us? Conduitchurch.com. You can search the word conduit in church in any of your socials. You'll find us. We're very easy to find. Uh, if you're local, would love to have you stop by and visit. Many of you have. We've we've met several new folks over the past few months that have listened to the podcast. Yeah, and, that's actually kind of cool, yeah, right? And have stopped by and, and visited uh, here at Conduit in Franklin. And so, we, yeah, we'd love to have you come by. We'd love to meet you. Yeah, we would. And obviously keep uh, praying for, man, pray for our government. Pray for our leaders. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, pray that uh, his will be done on earth, right, as it is in heaven. And, uh, and I love the words of John at the end of it. We're going to get there next week. Revelation 22, even so Lord come quickly, Lord come quickly. So if we don't, uh, it was the old days. They say, see you there or in the air, uh, was how they used to, uh, anyway, I'm old. Thank you for listening. We love you guys. God bless. And we'll catch you next time.